0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Who wants some college football this morning? It's starting to ramp up. The Big Ten and the Mountain West are back this week. The Pac-12 is two weeks away. We're getting close. We're going to have a full complement. The cool thing about this week, Yak brought this up on the show yesterday. Uh, I tried to watch college football last weekend. And Alabama, Georgia, that was good, right? It's number two versus number three. And yeah, it got a little out of hand in the fourth quarter, but it was a pretty good game all along. Pretty competitive. But the other games, I mean, it was just hard to watch. I found I just didn't care. The games weren't that competitive. And the ones that were Notre Dame Louisville, I I honestly I drifted off and fell asleep. It was in a commercial break. I woke up, somebody yelled, I was back. It wasn't it wasn't like I was out for an hour, but what happened in those three minutes, sir? I don't know. The tape kind of just... <laughs> it was early Saturday afternoon. and <laughs> I'm out. What happened? And it'll be great this week because we'll have the local teams playing. We got a, uh, a 5 o'clock game with Utah State and Boise State. And then that thing should end somewhere 8, 8.30, which is right when BYU is kicking off. And they had to make quick work at Texas State. And I know I said that two weeks ago, but this time I mean it. I also thought, in addition to uh, Yak pointing that out about the schedule, someone else pointed out something about the schedule on Twitter at the end of the show yesterday, and it's buried under mentions, and I can't find who it was. But whoever you are, excellent point. We were going on the debate. Uh, how good is BYU? Are they for real now? And I think it's pretty clear that they are one of the better, if not the best, G5 team. You know, they're not playing Central Florida and Cincinnati, who look like they're pretty good. Uh, They haven't played Boise State yet, but that'll solve that. But they are certainly upper echelon of G5. And I think if you're the top of G5, that is at least, maybe it's better than, but it's at least the middle of the Power Five, and it might be better than that. G5 teams routinely beat bad Power Five teams, and they actually do a decent job against, you know, kind of the mediocre 500-ish Power Five teams. So I think BYU's pretty good. Now, they got a chance to prove they're even better than that with Boise State and San Diego State and whatever happens in the bowl. And uh, somebody, and, and I couldn't even tell if it was a Ute, Cougar, Aggie who said it, but they said, We'll know BYU is for real if they win at Boise State because teams from Utah don't win there. And I went and looked it up. The Utes went up there one time and lost. BYU's 0 5 up there, and the Aggies have lost nine in a row. The Aggies won there in 96. That is 15 straight losses for the Utes, the Cougars, and the Aggies up at Boise State. Now, Utes, you can say, oh, it was only one game, and that was back in the McBride era. And you're right. You're right. But Kyle Whittingham lost at home to Boise State. And he lost to Boise State in a bowl game, and they were both blowouts. They were both decisive beatings. So the point is, if you can beat Boise, especially if you beat them in Boise, you're good. Nobody in these parts has been able to do that. That's why we all hate Boise State. Who are we kidding? That's what it always comes down to. Why don't you like somebody? Because they beat you. That's it. You don't get really disgusted with the team you beat all the time. You don't hear, you know, New Mexico Lobos say, oh, what they really, oh, they irritate me. No, nobody says that. UNLV you know, Rebels. Eh, whatever. All right, it's time to hear from the coaches now. Let's start with Kalani Satake, meeting with the media. BYU now 5-0 ranked 11th in the coaches poll 12th in the media poll getting ready to host uh texas state who's one in five i mean this is arguably the worst team on their schedule to date and i don't think there's actually much of an argument about it certainly by record you would say so here's kalani as he gets ready to embark on what looks now like the second half of the season assuming they play 10 games and i know they may play nine or eleven but assuming they play 10 this is the start of the second half of the season
1: here's kalani you know looking forward to, to this week excited to be home um and uh, having fans in the stadium, so that'll be fun for the first time in the Edward Stadium uh, for this 2020 season. And you know, really, uh, really pleased with the win that we got as a team um, over the weekend against Houston and uh, faced some adversity. The guys were able to bounce back and were able to have uh, finish out the game the right way. And So looking forward to getting some of the things fixed that, that uh, obviously we. We do every week after uh, a game, but um, there's some things I think that could really help us um, be in better p- position for success as a team in all three phases. And uh, it's going to be, you know, based around us being aggressive and us uh, trying to uh, establish our identity as a team. And hopefully we can get that done. Looking forward to the corrections and practice today. So I'll take any of the questions you guys have for me.
2: Bonnie, I wanted to ask about the interaction you have with the coordinators and, and the other coaches during a game. Obviously against Houston, you had to make some decisions as far as what you wanted to do defensively. I just wondered how you do that and, and what's the process like as you guys try and evaluate how how that's going to, to be accomplished as you have to make those adjustments.
1: Well it takes the entire staff and and we weren't able we won't be able to do it without you know our graduate assistants and, and our analysts people that are, that are involved in all the decision making but um, more than anything uh, the, the staff just collaborates with each other they work really well together on offense and defense and special teams and whenever they see something that could be changed or an adjustment to be made and we get that done. And as a head coach, I oversee all of it. But I trust the coaches that are uh, in those in the decision making process. And that includes me being part of that. So that's kind of how it works. it's not really much different from a lot of other places. But if you want to get more specific than that, I'm probably not going to do it.
0: Kalani, looking at the defense, you have 16 sacks through five games. Last season, you had 17 for the entire season. What, what's really key, just the success that you guys have had in getting into the backfield and, and getting to the quarterback and getting those sacks from game to game?
1: I don't know if I can answer it all in just one uh, answer. There's a lot of variables that go into it. Personnel, experience, um, scheme, all that stuff goes into it. But I think you're looking at a team that, that probably plays – against people that are coming from behind and trying to um, throw the ball more. And so when they do that, we have to capitalize and make uh, make sure we get sacks and get disruption. And I'd like to see us get more turnovers. So uh, to me, uh, all that stuff goes kind of goes hand in hand and all the variables combined is, is the what you're probably seeing as a result of it. So I don't know if it could be listed as just one one person or one thing. It's just a collection of all of it. Helps uh, helps get get us better better results, and so as long as we can keep performing well, and and, and uh, I like you know getting the lead and, and having make teams play from behind that, that works too. So uh, all that stuff goes 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 into the probably the the, the increase in sacks for us.
3: And Kalani, you've always said that you know you grew up a BYU fan and you love BYU football. How, how much are you enjoying the wave of success? And buzz that this program is currently experiencing.
1: Well, my a fan, I'm having fun with it. As a coach, I'm I'm working. You know, so I, I mean, that's you know, Mitch, you brought it up when 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 I was a fan that yeah, of course. But when I became a player, my focus was way different as a player. And now that as a, as a head coach, my focus is way different now. So. I'll always be a fan that part will always be there for me but I'm probably more of a fan now to, to the other sports like BYU basketball men's and women's and all the sports that we have here and uh, so that, you know, when you're looking at those type of sports I can probably be more of a fan than that but here my job is the head coach and so my focus is way different and uh, if I'm a fan I'm having a great time with it but as football team as a program as coaches and uh and players our focus is not not that part of it and what can you share Does that on- answer you- yeah that's great now uh, what, what can you share on the the status of of
3: james Empey and, and gunnar romney going into this week
1: Yeah, going in this week, um, everyone's back. We just have to see if – I think they'll be questionable, those guys, and we'll see if they can play this this Saturday. But uh, we plan on them, you know, getting on the field. We haven't made a decision yet that they're out for the – for Texas State game. Um, We also have a good number of guys coming back. Uh, this week we'll see Tristan Hodge on the field today. We'll have Keanu Saliapanga, who practiced last week, be more involved and be ready to go. Cianfi so now still, you know, getting ready, and I think he'll be—he's more ready now than, than before. So uh, there's, I'm probably leaving some people out, but uh, you know, Kyrus will be back, and so I think uh, we'll be in a really good good spot right now, starting practice today.
3: Coach, you had mentioned a minute ago uh, about adjustments how is this team specifically whether it's in-game adjustments or at halftime how how pleased have you been with the team's ability to listen to that and then go out and take the changes and execute them
1: yeah i think i mean when you kind of factor all the decision making it it takes there's a lot that goes go into it and so you don't want to overreact and 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 um know and and make drastic changes but you have to have plans for everything and and so you may have a plan a and if it goes great that's awesome but i think you're you're gonna have to have uh, um, a number of different uh you know game plans in it and then it's just a matter of, of getting the um you know implementing it and then making sure you're doing it in a timely fashion so that's pretty much how, how it breaks down and and obviously i'd love to make great adjustments early as soon as possible but that's the battle as a coach is you have to figure out when the best time is to do it and some decisions could be made and changes could be made right then on the sideline others have um, you know you, you have some time to go in half time and make some adjustments there so you you utilize all the time you have but uh, I think you just kind of – you don't know how the game's going to play. You just have to kind of go with it and have a bunch of plans um, ready to roll if, 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 if things don't work out.
3: Fans no fans has obviously been a topic all year, and you guys were able to experience the the win with a lot of BYU fans in Houston. Knowing now that there will be fans at the game Saturday, how much, how much excitement does that even add to this game coming up at Lavelle Edwards Stadium?
1: No, our, our players and, and, and our coaches, we love our fans. So that that's going to be uh, the main part is that we we just appreciate our fans so much and and look forward to, to having them there. You know, so we we've had four games without fans, and that was that was hard. But uh, we still love the game, you know. And then um, just having that um, real time reaction. Uh, whether good or bad, not, there's nothing can simulate that. So, looking forward to it and, and seeing our fans in the stadium is going to be a lot of fun. But that's, that gives you more sense of things being as normal as possible. So we're trending the right way once we see our fans in the, in the stadium.
3: Sorry, Carolina. Last one for me. Um, just your thoughts on Texas State. I think they brought in at the beginning of the year. They had over fifty new players. Um, what are your thoughts on this team? This will be their fifth road game in a row. What do you make of the Bobcats early this week?
1: Yeah, Coach Spavodo is a really good coach, and, and he's been around and uh, has had some great mentors in his in his in his coaching experience, and so. Uh, they'll be ready to, to be here and play us. And I think they know the situation. But, we, you know, for us, it's it's a matter of us being focused and and trying to get the most out of our guys this week in practice and preparation and playing the game and, and trying to be our best this weekend. That's the goal every week. Uh, but from what I see, they're they're highly competitive. And you look at, I mean, they took UTSA all the way to overtime, you know, so a lot of respect for their coaches, a lot of respect for their, for their players. Um, a lot of good athletes on their team. And so we we have to be ready. You know, we have to make sure that we're at our best because I think we're going to get their best shot this weekend.
3: Kalani, I wanted to ask you, in terms of adjustments you guys made in-game against Houston, it looked like in the second half you went more man-to-man on defense. Was that an adjustment that you guys made in-game or was it something you had planned to go lead, in the lead-up to that game?
1: We kind of, that's, that's a plan. I mean, that's that's a background that, that myself and Coach Tuyaki have. And so... Um, when you're looking at the personnel early in the season, we don't know if we needed it as much. Also had some guys that were banged up and we feel now that we're, we've got more guys back and healthy and we plan to play a, a quite a number of different schemes, man being one of them. I think there's a lot of attention goes to that, but you know, when, when you're pass rushing without your big beast in the middle, it's a little different, you know, and not, not saying that, Caden and, and, and the others that stepped in didn't do a good job just saying that's different when you, you have a guy that's been that has tons of experience and and tons of size and so I think that that, that was a little different for us and, and maybe relied on Kyris disrupting the front a little bit too much in a three-man rush but if we can do it we'll do it if not then we'll find it other ways I, I, I want to see uh, drive, stop, I want to see disruption in, in, in the defense. I want to see us um, disrupting plays, meaning causing havoc all over the place, stopping the run, um, getting to the quarterback in the pass game, and uh, creating turnovers. So that's that's the goal. Now, obviously, winning and getting stops is the main important things, and there's a lot of different ways to do that. But I think disruption uh, is... is kind of got to be kind of the backbone of, of what we're going to do on defense
3: one more for me here I wanted to ask you about George Udo what have you seen from him early on this season that leads you to trust him so much to cover guys like a Marquez Stevenson in that Houston game
1: because he's super fast athletic he's a as a hybrid where he's really tough uh, he, he's strong at the line of scrimmage and uh, when you have a guy with that with that kind of un- unique skill set it's nice to see him on the field um, we have a a, a, a high number of players that can, can do things that are unique to their skill set. He's one of them. Just, you know, keep them focused and keep them trained so that they don't miss sacks. Because I like disruption. And when you miss sacks, it doesn't work well, especially when it turns into a touchdown. So, good lesson for him to learn. Um, and hopefully we, we he gets he does better. But I like his response when he came back and, and got a sack um, later on, later drive, you know, different drive. So... He's still learning. He's still young. He's a sophomore, true sophomore. And so uh, we know we're going to get some really good things out of him uh, on the football field for a long time. But uh, I think you look at the, the the skills that we have in so many different guys, being able to move different places and play a lot of different coverages, uh, That I think being able to utilize those guys is going to be really important for our success.
4: Lonnie, Zach is starting to get – well, not starting, but he's, he's in the Heisman conversation now. Is he uh, his maturity level? Is he the type of kid that can handle this, or will you have to say anything to him, or how will you approach that?
1: I say stuff to him all the time, but he's he's gonna be fine. He's he's uh we're not worried about that. We're not worried about the Heisman. We're not worried about anything else except for Texas State and learning from the Houston game last week. I know that you guys are doing your jobs. You got and 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 I'm probably gonna be boring when it comes to that kind of stuff, but. I, I'm not worried about Zach doing anything except for beating Texas state and um, learning from the mistakes that he made in the Houston game. But I guarantee you that guy's already addressed it uh, probably on the flight home, the mistakes that he's made and, and um, just wanting to keep leading this team. You know, we, we have a, a good number of leaders on our team and, and I trust all these, all these guys with, with their teammates and, and, Giving them praise, but also um, you know correcting some of the mistakes that they see. So, I know today in meetings and practice, we'll probably have a lot of guys. that It's nice when you go into meetings and you and you, you go over some things, and they already addressed it themselves. Personally, they might have already hit myself up or their position coaches and said, "Coach, I should have done this better." They, they utilize our time really well, and that helps when you have a lot of mature guys that, that are experienced that that understand the game and are focused. So, I'm we'll gonna stay focused on on. On this game, that's all that matters.
3: Hey, you kind of uh, answered my question a little bit, but I just—I was just curious, just to touch on this a little more. When you have six thousand fans after having no fans, does it feel like sixty thousand? Will I mean, will, will Lavelle Stadium will that be rocking again? I mean, do you expect it to be loud and all that?
1: Yep, that's what I expect from those six thousand. They're going to have to make a lot of noise for sixty. So, they—they—they uh, they, they know what's what, what. What we're demanding from them and uh you know we're, we're expecting it to be a lot of fun so i i, I don't know if they can do it but I, i'm i'm thinking i think they can do it i, I think there, there's a lot of guys a lot of people in that uh, men and women and children in that group of six thousand that are going to make enough noise for the rest because the others that can't be in the stadium are going to count on them doing it and if they don't then they're going to hear about it from the others that aren't left in the stadium so uh, a lot of pressure on those guys you got to talk about you guys need to interview all the fans that are gonna be there and, and and how they're handling the pressure of making enough noise to to make the other fans happy.
5: Dax Milne the other night said that uh kind of having fans for that for that game against Houston helped fuel the comeback that you guys had. Did you see that yourself on the field? And how much can just the idea of having fans help, you know, the the performances on the field and help the players with a little bit just that a little bit extra drive, that little bit extra motivation and desire?
1: I think it has a like a um, indirect like reflection on the game. I, I think more than anything, it's what the players recognize as being as normal as possible. Um, whether you're on the road or at home, you're kind of used to having a. a, a quick reaction to play even to like a referee call or something like that. You, you just, you're so used to that being part of the game and when it doesn't happen, it just doesn't feel like that. You know what I mean? And, and so, um, and we're lucky cause we're, we're, we have a fan base that shows up everywhere. Um, we had, man, so many fans at, at the game in Houston and this, it's just not that game. It's every away game that we, we go to, Our fans represent, they show up and they make a lot of noise and our players appreciate that. So I think more than anything, it just feels as normal as possible, you know, and it feels like a real game. Uh, In a game, we played four games with no fans. And and I think you hear, I think a lot of the players say it's a little eerie. It's different, weird, but it doesn't take away from the competition. It's just not what they're used to in a game setting. And so um, it doesn't really matter how many fans, but I don't think that, Maybe when Dak said that it fuels them, it's just like it just gets the energy keep it keeps the energy rolling, right? And and um, I think that's that's what they recognize. But our players are so focused on the game too. It's just it's it's pretty cool seeing their their them just be razor sharp on the sideline, even when things look really really bleak and things are going in, in, in a negative way. I had a bunch of just heard a bunch of great things on the sideline, positivity and optimism. And knowing that there's plenty of time for our team to to do things. We we played I think I'd say probably two great quarters in that game and um, it'd be nice to play four great quarters. That's the goal.
0: There's BYU coach Kalani Sitake. When we come back Utah coach Kyle Winningham. Stay with us.
2: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. You coach Kyle Whittingham, meeting with the media. He uh, This is uh, from his Monday availability, and at that point he had partially but not completely dissected the scrimmage film and really didn't seem to want to give away too many details. As a matter of fact, you're about to hear him make a point of, you're not going to know who the starting quarterback is. I think it's going to be Bentley, but it's going to be or on the depth chart. They're not giving that away. Kyle doesn't want to tip his hand. He has said this before. He said it again now. He will say it again in the future if someone will press him. Uh, you know, next week he's going to say the same thing. Bentley got elected team captain. Bentley's got 33 starts of experience in the SEC. I think it's going to be Bentley, assuming he stays healthy. It's going to be Bentley. Now, if it's not Bentley, then I think Cam Rising played to a pretty high level. And he played really well. I think it's going to be Bentley. Kyle also uh, listen to the end of this. He really gets into the youth of this team. And even if all these freshmen don't start, it's pretty clear they're going to play. You know, it's, they're going to have to. And Kyle gets into that. Here he is. Kyle, uh, just looking at the running backs. She said uh, at the scrimmage that four different running backs stood out did some good things are you looking to get a lead back before the season opener at this point or are you thinking about maybe doing things by a committee have a couple different guys
6: splitting carries in the backfield We'll oh, just have to see which way it goes i think ideally if you have a, a lead back that's probably a little better situation but it doesn't have to be that way <clears throat> as long as you're getting the production of the run game that you need and uh you know, whether that's by one guy primarily or, or two or three guys contributing, uh, I don't think that's really a, a big concern. So we'll just continue to, uh, you know, get them all reps and see uh, see if we can get some separation or see if there is any separation and then, and then uh, go from there.
5: Josh Newman followed by Dirk Facer, Deseret News. Hey, good morning, Kyle morning
6: uh,
3: Saturday you said that you that you would be down to uh, two quarterbacks starting today are you able to say who the two quarterbacks are
6: no we're not going to make any uh, definitive announcement on that uh, even with the starter until uh, game week and so and how far into game week is you know we'll, we'll talk about that it may be, Maybe Monday of game week, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. We'll just keep that to ourselves because there's really no reason to tip your hand. None at all. It doesn't doesn't make any sense. Doesn't provide us any advantage. And so uh, that's how we'll handle that.
5: <clears throat> Facer, followed by Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com.
7: Hey, Kyle. Talking about the defensive line a little bit. Uh, Mika Tafua, having played with three guys that got drafted by the NFL. What did he gain from the experience of playing with those guys? And in turn, what kind of leadership does he bring into the, the new cast of guys? I know you got some experience on the line, but obviously replacing three NFL guys is a big deal.
6: It is, and he's, uh, he's an NFL guy as well, in my opinion. And so he's uh, he's just a junior, but uh, he's uh, got what it takes to play at the next level. And uh, I think you know playing next to those guys last year uh, certainly it took some – you know, he was a guy that didn't get double-teamed much, and so forth, because of the other guys. And so he had a, he had a chance to uh, face single blocking most of the season. Uh, he is a great leader for us. He was voted captain, as we mentioned on Saturday. So that's uh, what his peers think of him, and and how much respect he has uh, from them. And he's been a tremendous player since he got here. You know, he was, he was uh, a guy that came uh, mid-season, I believe. Uh, three or four years ago, coming off his church mission, and uh, he's been a just a, a very good player for us. And and right now he's the he is the leader of uh, that defensive line as well as uh, being a team captain.
5: Trevor Allen, KSLSports.com, followed by Patrick Kinahan, 97.5 and twelve-eighty, the zone.
1: I know that in, in, in years past and, and, and it's always uh, stayed the same, but you've always wanted to have at least, you know, eight to 10 uh, O-linemen game ready by by the start of the season. How, where are you at right now as far as numbers on guys that are game ready?
6: We have 10 and we feel good about these 10 that are getting all the reps and uh, still not uh, settled on the exact Configuration as far as who's going to play exactly what spots. We have some versatility up front with those guys. Uh, we've got a pretty good idea what we're going to do, but uh, nothing is set in stone quite yet. We'll get through this week of practice, and then probably start to uh, you know, solidify that as far as you know the first five working with each other and the second five. Right now, the there is no clear cut first five, but we feel like we've got ten guys that are that are capable of. Uh, playing at the Pac-12 level and, and contributing for us.
5: Patrick Kinahan, followed by Josh Furlong, KSL.com.
7: Yeah, Kyle, in choosing a quarterback, how much weight do you put on the scrimmages versus the daily practices? Well, live work always carries more weight with everybody, and that's uh, just
6: how it is. Uh, when bullets are live, there's you get a better and clearer picture of exactly where you are, but uh, everything matters. I'm not trying to discount the the regular day-to-day practice uh, uh, situations that aren't live because they, they factor in as well, but uh, it's weighted more heavily
5: with the live work and, and again that goes for every position. Josh Furlong, followed by Dirk Facer, Desiree News. Well, uh, you've you've
3: seemed to talk a lot about Nate Ritchie this year and in his abilities and obviously in high school he was kind of like a Swiss Swiss Army knife in, in his ability to do anything everything. What, what makes him so talented this year and, and able for you to kind of uh, see him as a standout in that in that secondary
6: unit? Well, it's a skill set, first and foremost. He's uh, He's got size. He's got speed. He's a physical player. Uh, he's intelligent. And so just his uh, ability uh, across the board is really what sets him apart. He's, he's uh, a guy that has a great football IQ as well, and he's instinctive. And so all the things you look for in a safety, uh, Nate possesses. And I've, I've compared him to Chase Hansen. I, I still will make that comparison as far as his, uh, the type of player that he is and, and the, uh, the impact that he can have. Now, he's just a true freshman. I don't want to put too much uh, pressure on him right now, but he's, he's a guy you're going to see on the field and see quite a bit.
5: Dirk Fazer, followed by Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Coach,
7: uh, I want to ask you about Nephi. Is he cut from the same mold as uh, Brian Bleckin and Chase Hansen? Uh, Nephi Sewell? Yes, I'm sorry.
6: Uh, he's uh, a little bit different type of a player. He's more like uh, Sunia Tatioli that we had a few years back. Uh, he's not the biggest kid, six foot maybe, 220-something pounds, but but uh, he is uh, more of a a linebacker where, where Bleckin and – well, Black and just start with Black, and he was more of a, a safety-type body. And, and Chase is a much bigger kid. You know, Chase is 6'3 and, and uh, two thirty-plus. But uh, Nephi has exceptional quickness. That's really the strength of his game: is his quickness and his uh, lateral movement. Uh, he's also a physical player. He can hit hit you and, and uh, deliver a blow in that in confined areas, which uh, you like to see in your linebackers. And he's uh, made the transition really. Very smoothly from safety to linebacker, and that's this is really where he belongs. He's a he's much seems much more comfortable and in
5: his element uh, in the box rather than uh, at the safety position. Bill Riley, followed by Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune.
2: Now that you've had a chance to look at the uh, scrimmage tape, Kyle, and gone back over it, uh, could you give us a couple of more thoughts on on what you saw from Saturday's scrimmage? And again, I'll I'll ask you what I asked you on Saturday. Now, with another look at the tape. Are you starting to see the separation you want to see in some key position groups?
8: Well, I'm mostly through the scrimmage. We came in early this morning, and we've been uh, dissecting it this morning, gave the coaches yesterday off, and so we haven't uh, fully gotten the uh, scrimmage completely evaluated. But uh, we're seeing some good things, seeing a lot of work that needs to be done, a lot of things that are sloppy right now, which you expect with a lot of uh, inexperienced players that, uh, that are getting a lot of reps right now. But uh, we feel like we're, we're on track, and fortunately, we do have what almost three weeks left, and and we're going to need every bit of that to uh, to get these guys ready. But uh, we are starting to see some separation at, at, at certain positions, and and uh, there's certain positions that we know exactly what we got: wide receiver, tight end, uh, to name a couple of them. Uh, defensive line is is uh, looks like it's going to be a, a strong suit for us again. But uh, we got to get the quarterback thing. Situated, we got to get the secondary situated. No no different right now than we were at the onset of camp as far as the priorities.
5: And that's still the, uh, the main focal point right now. Josh Newman followed by Trevor Allen, KSL.com. Kyle, um, is,
3: is Nate Ritchie at the point where he might be pushing Vontae for some starting looks?
8: He's at the point where he's going to be in the mix for one of the two best safeties. And again, we put. Two best guys out there it doesn't matter you know whether they're labeled a strong safety or a free safety. The two best guys will be out there. One will play strong, one will play free. Some years are interchangeable and they can they can uh, interchange responsibilities during the course of the game. But uh, he's he's in the mix right now, and it's a fierce battle and going to continue for who's going to be the, uh, the starters. But uh, all three of those guys are, are doing a good job: R.J. Huber, Ponte, and Nate Ritchie right now. Kamori Latu is also a guy that
5: that uh, has shown up very well. Thanks, Kyle. Okay. Trevor Allen, followed by Mike Sorensen, Deseret News. Kyle,
1: on, on Friday, you mentioned that uh, there was e- even uh, some battles taking place with the uh, kicking game and the punting game. Is there, it, uh, has, has anything changed as far as with Jaden and Ben?
8: Uh, right now, Jaden is in a battle with Jordan Noyce uh, for our place kicking spot and it's neck and neck. And, uh, ready Jordan might have the edge right now and so that is a, a ongoing battle and an ongoing competition uh, Ben Lennon seems to have separated himself at the pointing spot but uh, nothing is completely said and done there yet either but uh, we feel good about uh, all three of those specialists and, and uh, Jordan and Jaden are, are both playing very well it's not uh, trying to figure out who can get it done we feel they both can get it done it's just a matter of who's the Who's going to be the uh, better alternative,
5: Mike Sorensen? Go ahead. Yeah, Coach, uh, you've had a lot of uh, true. Fr- you have a lot of true freshmen on the team this year, and maybe as many as you've ever had. Um, I know you've done it in the past, but do you have any concern about starting true freshmen? Maybe who are some of the most likely guys to to start that are true freshmen?
8: Well, there's always a concern about starting true freshmen. This year, we have no choice. We're going to start uh, some true freshmen. I would, I would. Uh, bet you know it's not a sure thing but but uh jaron kump is one of them he's he's an offensive lineman that has come in and, and done some very good things uh ty jordan is going to see a lot of time now you know whether he starts or not as it remains to be seen but but he's a guy that's a factor our two defensive ends uh Fillinger and X carlton are guys that uh, are in the mix uh in the secondary uh clark phillips is is right there Uh, knocking at the door for a starting spot. Hey, Richie, we've already talked about. Um, So, yeah, what is that? uh, Half a dozen or more that uh, you're going to see this year. And and, uh, they've got to grow up quick because we're really laden with freshmen and sophomores. And and next year it's going to be even more so because nobody moves. You know, the the, the, uh, eligibility is frozen. And so when we add another freshman class, it's going to be – very lopsided as far as the freshmen and sophomores you know, being the, the bulk football team, which which bodes well for the future. You know, we just got to we got to find a way to get them up to speed right now.
0: Here's Utah football coach Kyle Winningham, who sounds a little stressed that he's playing so many true freshmen. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Jay Drew, beat writer covering the BYU Cougars for the Deseret News, he joins us next. Stay with us. you B-Writer for the Deseret News, joins us now on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Jay, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, Jay, now do you believe?
4: <laughs> uh, I'm starting to believe a little more. Um. I'm not 100% on the bandwagon, on the boat, whatever you want to call it. I'm but, driving uh, the bandwagon. Are you kidding me? Jeez.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> wait till my uh, wait till my uh, Zach Wilson for Heisman story comes out and then you can uh, okay. then you can put me on the bandwagon Let's take it driving soon. it. Well, I heard
7: that Paul Feinbaum lists his top four playoff teams, and he's got BYU number four. Uh, for me, I'm surprised they're that low.
4: How about you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what has Clemson done? You know, what has Alabama done? <laughs> I don't know. let
0: um, Georgia Tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, I don't know why you can ignore Liberty. I mean, they just routed uh, Syracuse. So the uh, independents are doing pretty hey, well Give me so death far. or give me liberty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's been an interesting season. Obviously, a lot is going to change when the Pac-12 and Big Ten start playing and even when the Mountain West starts playing. But this has just been a kind of a perfect storm for BYU just with the start they're off to. And then, like I said, without those other teams playing, there's kind of a little bit of a kind of a media vacuum as far as, you know, teams you can focus on and, and BYU's capitalizing on it big time. It's It's been an interesting couple of months.
0: So as you try to uh, evaluate what is, uh, what is good about this BYU team, where they're going to have an advantage and where they're going to have a weakness, what are the weaknesses that maybe a Boise State could exploit?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I think uh, I think they really haven't been tested with. Well, when they were tested with a quarterback who could sling it, who could throw really well, uh, before they made the adjustments, they were they were hurt quite a bit at U, by UTSA's quarterback in the second half, and then by Houston by Clayton Tune until they made some adjustments after halftime. So. You know, if Boise can kind of get a hot quarterback that can throw, um, I think there might be some question marks there. Um, as far as uh, you know, I don't know if it's a weakness or just a a trait. The BYU sure gets a lot of guys injured. It's just amazing how they struggle, and maybe it's because I follow them really closely that I that I real recognize that maybe it happens all over the country, but but. Uh, just they always seem to have you know two or three guys um, that are questionable for the game, and then they, you know, they lose a couple for the season. So I don't know why they just can't stay healthy, but maybe that's the nature of college football. But but uh, but this year the depth which they worked so hard on in the off season has really paid off. You got to you got to tip your hat to Kalani. I think he he recognized that was an issue and. And they've had guy, other guys step up, like they had a guy step up for, for Kairos Tonga the other day and, and didn't miss a beat. And, they, and when James Empey was out, Joe Tukuafu stepped in and, and at center and, and played really well. And so, so they've, they've kind of recognized one weakness, which was lack of depth, and, and kind of corrected it. So, so I think that's been a real positive sign this season.
7: What was the deal, man? Third and down, fourth down and one. They couldn't even get a yard.
4: <laughs> yeah, I think they tried to get too tricky on that one, where where uh, they were trying to they were more focused on trying to draw Houston offsides, uh, kind of with that kind of rushing up to the line of scrimmage, looking like he was going to do a quarterback sneak, and then uh, I think they just maybe lost a little focus there, and Algier got got stuffed. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. And then the 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 what was it was it fourth and two at the goal line, or fourth and one from the two, where they they got stuffed again. I don't know. Sometimes you you think they they try to get a little too tricky uh, in those situations. Um, but but yeah, that's definitely something they can work on.
0: Did you see Dax Millen 184 yards coming?
4: Not really. That kid continues to surprise me. You look at him, just on uh, you know, even back in his days at Bingham High and when he when he walked on, and he just you just think you know that uh, that he's not much of a of an athlete or a, a receiver. He just doesn't fit the mold. I mean, you look at some of the other guys, and Gunnar Romney looks like a legitimate you know, but uh, but Dax continues to put up big numbers. Uh, and so, yeah, that's been a, a big surprise. And the thing people tell you when you talk, ask about him is, is it just sounds like he's just a, the gym rat version of a football player, just constantly, constantly working on his game, begging, uh, quarterbacks to go throw with him, things like that. So, so all he's earned all this, what I'm trying to say is he's earned all this, uh, all this, uh, recognition by just outstanding work ethic.
7: What do you think the chances are they add another decent opponent, maybe even a power five?
4: Yeah, I'm going to try to write about that this week. Um, I I don't think it'll be a power five. I just, to be honest with you, I don't think there's a power five out there that would, they don't need to kind of take that risk, if you will. Um, so I don't think it'll be a power five, but but I do think they'll add somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if they add Liberty. I don't think the Army game is going to happen. Um, I don't think Army wants basically. I don't think Army wants the uh, to have to return that game to BYU uh, ever. And so, if they can get out of you know this one, then then that won't happen. So, but yeah, I, I see them adding at least one game in November, um, and maybe that first week of December would be the other choice, but. But uh, but as far as the Power Five, I don't see it happening. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see see the uh, schedule upgraded, but at this point, I don't think it's happening.
0: You know, we saw three games in the top ten canceled this past week, and I'm just thinking if uh, a high end Pac-12 team. Uh, Oregon and USC come to mind because they're picked to win the divisions but if there's someone in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 who thinks we're not playing enough games, we're going to need another quality win to get into the playoff. Let's say Oklahoma State has one loss. Um, and can't play a couple weeks, that I think... I'm, I'm with you in that I think it's a it's not a great chance to play a Power 5 team, but I think if there's somebody who's thinking two or three weeks out, we've got a chance of the playoff, but we just can't have these multiple bye weeks because other teams can't play us. We've got to get a quality win. That seems like the shot for BYU. Yeah,
4: that that's a good point. And uh, I think you would have to have, like you said, multiple cancellations. Um, for that to happen where we basically, you know, teams, have, especially these, is it the big 10 that's playing eight straight or maybe mm-hmm. the Pac- yeah. Yeah, where, yeah. where, uh, there's, there's little margin for error there if, if you, you know, you have to miss a week or two. So, uh, so yeah, I could see that happening if basically they, they got to get at least close to eight games.
7: You, th- you think Wilson goes to the NFL after this season?
4: Yeah, I think so. Um it, uh I mean, why wouldn't he if he if he keeps it up? I mean, if he if he keeps it up and you know, I don't know if you can trust all those mock drafts and those projections and everything. You guys remember what happened to John Walsh way back when. But uh but yeah, I I mean, this this kid is just he's grown up and it's all well documented, you know, the trips to to california to work with john beck and all that that's this kid's life just just his dream his goal from the minute he could walk was to play in the nfl and and i just think he's going to do it when when it looks like the best opportunity prevents itself or presents itself and and i think that's after this season so i would be stunned if he returns
0: I refer to it as BYU bingo. You start with the bingo card when the national broadcast starts. The trips to California, you check it off. The 25-year-old lineman, you check it off. Tom Homo rebuilt the schedule after after everyone canceled. You check it off. I mean, there's some storylines. And I get that, you know, we're a local audience, so we know them. And, you know, one week you're playing Navy and one week you're playing Houston, so there's always a different audience that's exposed for the first time. But there are a few storylines that have been beat up pretty good here, Jay.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, they bring the – Zach Wilson grew up a, a Utah fan. Mm-hmm. They usually show his mom uh, praying in the stands. I don't know if they – I don't – when you're – you know, I don't see the television broadcast. Sometimes I tape it and watch it later. So uh, I'm maybe not exposed to that as much as, you know, people who watch every game on, on television. But, uh, but yeah, I can certainly see that. There's there's uh, the same old stories that just get – Regurgitated, I, I'm. I'm did tape this last game. i have been interested. Was Andre Ware? Was he uh, pretty excited about Zach oh, as usual? Yeah,
7: my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I, I tweeted out that uh, by the end of the game, if Zach played, continued to play well, he was going to have Ware was going to have uh, Wilson ahead of Zach uh, or Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and uh, a unanimous Heisman. I mean, yeah, he
4: just he loves the guy. There's just no question about that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I just from what I follow on Twitter and that and and what you wrote, P.K., it's uh, pretty obvious. But as soon as I saw that he was the uh, broadcaster for that game or the analyst, I I figured that we were going to get a heavy dose of that.
0: (laughs) So, Texas State, make this game interesting for me. I dare you.
4: (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. know. The crazy thing is they're playing it at eight. Fifteen at night, um, and uh, and I think they got some competition from other other games where they're not kind of the only game on um, this this Saturday. But uh, I don't really. I, the only thing I can think of is, hey, you know, they were a huge favorite, thirty plus point favorite over Texas San Antonio, and and they had a letdown, and so maybe you can kind of attack that angle that it's another team from Texas without a without a, much of a name and uh you know if it happened once maybe it can happen twice i don't, I don't know that's a stretch but but uh, you're right it's uh it's going to be uh kind of a hard sell this week i guess getting the fans back in the stands will be kind of an, in in having 6000 fans there and what's that going to be like it's going to still be almost like a crowd for a high school game a little larger than that obviously but but uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that plays out.
7: Yeah, uh, it's about time I can go see my Cougars in person, so I'm excited <laughs> about that. Uh, do me a I'm favor. I'm surprised
4: they don't have a cardboard cutout of you there with uh, Mitt Romney and Danny Ainge and the other uh, prominent uh, BYU. I know. BYU it's, supporters.
7: It's a joke, man. I don't. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Handicap the uh, bowl possibilities for the Cougars.
4: Yeah, I you know I I think uh, the the New York New Year Six is obviously a possibility. Uh, it looks like it would be the Cotton Bowl from what most projections have them. Obviously, they have to go undefeated. They they'd have to beat Boise and and uh, San Diego State, and maybe even add a game that we were talking about earlier to kind of boost that resume. Um, so I think that's a possibility. Uh, right now, I would say 50 percent chance of a, a New Year's six game. Um, other than that, I, I you know I think obviously ESPN's going to work with them. They're, they've got a, a quarterback now that's you know drawing a lot of attention. so they've got a fan base that travels if fans are allowed at bowl games. so I, I think there's a good chance that they could get a, a pretty decent bowl. Um, but even even if they drop a couple or drop one, I think they'll be. Uh, They're they obviously won't get a New Year's Six bowl if they drop a game, but but I think if they drop one, they can get a pretty a pretty good bowl.
0: So when you said fifty percent, that's what came to mind. You think there's a fifty percent chance they go ten and zero?
4: Yeah, I do. Yeah, I. You know, obviously they've never won at Boise State on the on the blue turf. Well, they won there, but it was in a bowl game against someone else, but they've never beat Boise at home. We don't know how good Boise is going to be this year. That's a, another thing is it's just so odd. I mean, I think BYU will have played what? Eight games, seven games and Boise state will have played one or Two, two. two. two Yeah. I mean, that's just unheard of. That's, that's so to handicap that game based on, on that alone is going to be difficult. So, um, but I, I think that is the the game, the, the hurdle that they have to get over, and uh, it'll be really that'll be a cool storyline. You know, Zach Wilson was once recruited, committed to Boise State a couple years ago. He had that that kind of play where they had a chance to win at the end, and he and he tried to run for it and got stopped. So he has that in the back of his mind. So. If if both teams were undefeated going into that game, that's going to have a lot of really fun storylines.
0: All right, Jay, you go find a way to make uh, Texas State look interesting, and uh, then we will look for your magic in the Deseret News. Sounds good, guys. There's Jay Drew, beat writer for the Deseret News. We're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, a couple of Monday football games, Monday night football, Monday afternoon football. We'll get to that coming up. Stay with us.